0: Welcome to Savage Minds, I'm your host, Julian Vigo. Today's guest is Fred Sargent, a French-American gay rights activist who participated in each of the nights of the 1969 Stonewall Riots, and he was one of the four co-founders of the first Gay Pride March in New York City in 1970. He was also vice chairman of the homophile youth movement at the time sargent was born in fontainebleau france to an american gi father and a french mother he grew up in connecticut and moved to new york city at age 19. i'm speaking to fred about a recent incident where he was attacked at the burlington gay pride march i welcome fred Sargent to savage minds i was appalled but not surprised by the recent attack on you And I say not surprised because as you well know, you're not the first victim of this kind of woke trans activism that's been flagrant within Western countries for many years. At Savage Minds, we've covered the way that they attacked lesbians in last year's Pride March in Bordeaux. We've covered the way they've attacked lesbians in London. And here you are being attacked I saw one of the videos of a rather young woman attacking you, but that wasn't all of it. Could you describe what happened?
1: Well, uh, I I had gone to the Burlington Pride event um, uh, specifically for the purpose to protest. Uh, We we have a a right here in the United States to uh, freely express our opinion. And uh, having a, a, a long history with pride and being one of the the group of four that first proposed that very um, first pride, which was then called the Christopher Street Liberation Day March, I, I feel not only a a a, um, a a right to be there to make my feelings known, but an obligation. Uh, I know that many many people, and I've been I've been seeing uh, online, of course, uh, the, the the events that are occurring around the world where. Uh, people, uh, particularly lesbians, are excluded from uh, participation and pride or e- even driven away forcefully. A, 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 a writer in the UK uh, who saw what happened to me and saw what had happened in Brighton uh, to the women there uh, commented on this. Uh, her name is J.K. Rowling. And she said that what happened isn't a, isn't a bug. It's a uh, it's a fixture, a feature, of the um, gender identity movement, uh, the, the violence, and uh, she's absolutely correct. Uh, I, I experienced that firsthand um, when I when I first raised my sign, which was a very simple sign. It it was a circle with a red line through it, and it had the words blackface, and then underneath woman womanface. Uh, that drove some people crazy. Uh, the rear of my sign said gay, not queer, uh, which is a, it's a succinct summation that, that many, many uh, lesbian and, and gay people do not identify with the queer movement and, and all that comes with that and the, the queer theory. Um, we, we, uh, we stand as same sex oriented individuals and we wanna be recognized as such and we want our autonomy to be recognized.
0: I'm from many places, but I did a lot of my growing up in New York City. I've had many moments of astonishment by the trans lobby's attempt to hijack gay rights, lesbian rights history. And as you well know, they've attempted to hijack Stonewall itself. And recently I interviewed, I'm about to post the interview with Jim Forat who was there at Stonewall. And I believe you were too. Yet, A history of gay men and lesbians fighting the good fight, as it were, gets drowned out by a lobby which is eking its way into the fictional narratives of what never happened. I'm very concerned because when I moved to New York City in the late 1980s, gay rights were pretty established in the city, not everywhere in the States. In fact, it was at that time that you had people like Michelangelo Signorelli writing against gay marriage, because as you know, many men in the gay community viewed marriage as a very heterosexist institution. Skip to the 21st century, especially the last 10 years. We've seen trans activists try to hijack our own history, try to make lesbians into men because, of course, a woman whose butch must be a man, and similarly so with gay men who might be effeminate. And all of this smacks of homophobia version 2.0. It does to me and it does to many of us. What is it that a lot of people are not understanding about this, do you think? Because I try to explain to people... That there's a serious problem in the way that even media represents the trans rights movement, because they've lobbed us all in together with this LGBTQ+++, but we have nothing to do with people who either have gender dysphoria, which is an argumentable prognosis, or who do not. Could you talk about this? Because there's a lot of people who are really confused by this. They think people who are trans are gay, like they don't get the difference.
1: Well, I got involved in this in a, in a very simple fashion. I, uh, like, like many people, um, when I first started hearing about uh, trans people being associated with our movement, um, but most people, myself included, like to do the right thing. Um, we we, we want to feel positive and, and inclusive about what we're doing. And when I heard about it, I didn't think much about it at all. And we're going back like 10, 15 years ago. Uh, and it is a recent involvement. Um, and I said, fine, you know, um, we, we've made our way up the ladder and, and we have not just a it's not just something to think about. We have an obligation to, to help um, lift others up as well. Uh, that turned out to be a mistake because it, it's it's uh, destroyed our movement. Uh, I, in 2019, I was invited to an event um, regarding Stonewall. And I'm, I'm a, a French American citizen and the, the um, association to journalists LGBT, QI in in Paris, uh, had invited me to um, their 50th anniversary celebration. And uh, when I I got to the event that night, I heard stories told about Stonewall that were completely alien to my lived experience. Uh, I was being told that if it were not for trans women of color, there would be no movement that they created the movement. They created the march. And I know as a fact that none of that occurred. Uh, The the four people who proposed the march were myself, my partner, and two lesbians. There were no trans people involved. Uh, They had nothing to do with the organizing that went on over the winter of 1970. refer you to the one commemorative publication of that first march uh, called Gay Freedom 1970. And you look through the pictures that are in there and there are thousands and thousands of people. And there was not one person in drag. Um, It it was a bunch of young people. Uh, If there was any common theme, it was more of the hippie theme, but the, the uh, narrative today is that we owe trans people the event that we created, pride. And I, I've, I've likened what's happened uh, to us to a, a bad marriage. Uh, and uh, in some marriages and awfully, as we know, uh, one, one part of that marriage is abusive. And that's what we see today. The TQ of LGBTQ uh, is an abusive partner. And we know that those sorts of unions never never survive. And that the only way for the for those being abused to change their situation, it's to divorce. And we've reached that point where. We need to divorce ourselves from the TQ and take back the same sex rights movement that we created back before Stonewall.
0: Right. Well, you know, what you're saying is a conclusion I drew a decade ago when, you know, I taught at NYU. I was involved in teaching cultural studies and queer theory, but not this. Queer theory as it emerged was about queering spaces, it was about gay visibility, lesbian visibility. It was never about this. It was never a complete denial of same sex desire, which is what trans activism has turned into. In fact, it's quite the nightmare for people in the UK who support Stonewall UK those in the States who've been working with GLAAD and many other gay rights organizations. I've done work with gay men's health crisis in New York at the height of the AIDS crisis. To think that all of these organizations have tilted towards the T++ is astonishing to me for obvious reasons. As you said, there is nothing in, there is nothing in common between our same-sex desire and someone who claims to have a psychiatric disorder, just let's say for what it is. And then I'll add on to that, the fact that what's happening today is largely not even that. There's a whole cultural trend out there of people identifying as not just trans, because the trans umbrella, right, Jim, is everything. It's polyamory. It's people who are asexual. It makes no sense, half of the definitions we are flung at. And yet we are supposed to identify as in solidarity with these other people, even though what's at the heart of the trans lobby and all of the non-binary, asexual, you name it, fried over easy identities has zilch to do with sexuality, zilch to do with same-sex desire. And yet we are called names for saying out that way go out the back door because we're not interested we fought for our rights and what you're peddling here is snake oil and we recognize homophobia because you've lived through it much longer than i have but we all recognize this as homophobia and they won't hear it so in response they've come up with this term transphobia which is a in my view a bullshit term Means absolutely nothing because when they run around calling me cis or you cis and us transphobes, what in the F does that mean when what they are proposing is that you and I adopt stereotypes? And when we begin there, we've already lost our sexuality.
1: They've made us a subset of our own sex. And, <laughs> and, and to me, sex matters, um, it, it, it's immutable. Uh, you can't deny it, uh, and to be asked to go along with that denial is is really a bridge too far. The, the the group that put on the Burlington Pride March, if you go to their education page, they're the um, uh, Pride Center of Vermont. Uh, they they talk about the word gay, and they they are erasing even that word from from their uh, website by saying that gay is a word of erasure, and it denies the, 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 the umbrella of sexual ori- orientations. Uh, there are two sexual orientations, heterosexual and homosexual. There isn't an umbrella of orientations. They're, they're, they're conflating gender with sex, and that's part of their method. Uh, so I'm, I'm fine with them erasing gays in their group if that's what they want to do. I'm just not going to let them erase me. And I am going to stand up and I am going to speak uh, for as long as I can.
0: I hear you and I stand in solidarity with you because this movement has, when I first heard about this in 2012, my first reaction was one of disbelief. And I actually thought the person telling me about the trans lobby was slightly too, very much exaggerating. This was my first reaction. Then I realized that none of this was as it seemed. That in fact, what I thought was happening was not at all what was happening. Here we are, you know, I'm now 10 years into working on this subject and I thought things would get better faster. They have in the UK in the US and in Canada, they've gotten far worse. The fact that, I saw this video clip of a woman in her 20s pushing, shoving you, and you are, if I'm not mistaken, 74 years old?
1: Yes, I'm. I'm and disabled.
0: This is over the top. And, the, and next to you was a man pointing out to the woman exactly this, that she was assaulting you, and she seemed to think that that was okay.
1: I haven't seen the video myself. I, you know, it's not something I actually want to see, but I'm, I'm told that she's actually the person that before that and poured coffee over my head.
0: And I saw something later that said that she was related to the organizers of what happened to you, although I've had no time to fact check it. I'm quite appalled by the fact that this was even allowed to happen and that there was no police presence for you, even though isn't that the job of the police at these kinds of events, right?
1: Well, what happened there at, at the same time that this was going on one of my assailants was calling the police to lodge a complaint against me, and you know, not to put too fine a point on it, but this trans person that was was making this complaint uh, is large, um, could certainly knock me over with a feather, and had been had been pushing me and pushing my signs, and was part of the group that eventually pushed me to the ground. I, I, my 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 balance is is poor uh, like many people my age uh, it doesn't take much to knock us over and uh, they took advantage of that
0: despite your age and your size, even if you were Hulk Hogan, the reality is that you were assaulted and did the police follow up on this have you heard about what happened to the people who assaulted you
1: I hadn't reached out to them directly the hospital that where I was treated uh, had contacted the police on Sunday and the uh, the police returned the call uh, to my husband's phone but he he at the time he was caring for me so it wasn't until the next day that I was able to try to make contact with him we've been going back and forth playing phone tag uh a group of people went to the mayor's meeting in Burlington and confronted the mayor over what had happened because obviously this is a problem for any municipality if you have a roving gang that's beating on people that they don't like. Uh, And it doesn't matter whether it's uh, young people, old people. It's something that the mayor and the municipal government need to address. His only response was, and he said it twice, we're looking into it. Well, I, I haven't heard from the mayor. I have been able to make an appointment to give a statement to the police next week. And I'll be bringing video and photographic evidence um, that shows that my, my, st- my sign was stolen right at the very beginning. And uh, e- even in my condition, with a little adrenaline and, and, and the ter- determination that comes from uh, years of, of standing up to people like this, I was able to run this guy down and get my sign back. Uh, uh, So all of that is available for the police. Uh, It remains to be seen what they'll do with it. I am going to be asking that the police meet with uh, the Pride Center of Vermont uh, regarding security at their future marches and uh, also with a group called Outright Vermont. Outright Vermont deals with younger people uh, and they, uh, it was their contingent where many of the people that uh, came after me uh, had come from. Uh, Neither group to date has said anything about this on their websites. They've ignored the entire thing. And I expect they would wish to remain silent going forward, but uh, we are going to need to talk about it and, and speak publicly about it. And they are going to have to express some kind of regret for the behavior of the people that they're associated with.
0: And are you hopeful that you will hear back from them? Because as I'm finding the case, I recently called the press office of that school district in Canada where we have, I don't know if you've seen the picture of the teacher who is wearing... A type of clothing that would be considered pornographic and offensive to anyone. Yet here we are having to see that students in Southern Ontario are being taught by a man who fetishizes women with breasts that can only be described as elephantesque. And the yes, school board it. in Southern Canada has come out swinging for this guy. I, I've seen compl- as well. it's uh, astounding the kind of abuse that were this prince andrew The same people would be screaming about pedophilia this is pedophilia and this is pedophilia by proxy in the sense of this man took a job in a school district to dress in a way that mocks women's bodies especially large women's bodies sexualizes himself and by default the children and there is no safeguarding like when I saw the picture I thought it was a prank then I started reading up
1: yeah I did
0: yeah yeah it's insane we're watching a man with a fetish use children to get off on his fetish, and then we see a woke school board in a woke country defend his actions with no remorse. I've called the press office there a half dozen times, still have not heard back. The head of the school board, I heard in an interview yesterday with one news outlet, try to correct the reporter and say, it's not a man, it's a woman. Well, you used it. So, you know, the whole thing becomes very bizarre, when you want to start to deconstruct preferred pronouns and nonsense. But we really are living in this very strange time of sheer homophobia, with a large dose of misogyny. As you know, I'm sure you're aware that in the 70s and 80s, there were feminists who decried drag performances in gay bars. I used to love drag. But then I sort of woke up a lot to what was happening within the political symbolism of drag. And I've come to understand a lot of what I supported might not have been in the best interests of women, children. But as you know, a lot of our culture, gay culture gets off on camp, drag performance. You go to Fire Island any summer, you'll be treated to any number of dozens of drag performances. How is it that, Misogyny and homophobia have fit so tightly together, do you think, within the trans narrative? Because, as you well know, the trans lobby is about saying trans women are women, trans men are men. But only one of those two groups is regularly taking high levels of very dangerous hormones and also having their body cut up.
1: well if you if you go to my Facebook page um, and scroll down, you'll come across a uh, green colored, um, uh, depiction, uh, which was created by one of the organizers, uh, one of the primary organizers of the Pride Center of Vermont's Pride Committee, uh, who um, the, 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 the depiction of women, uh, he, he uses the drag name, Emoji Nightmare. Um, it, it's of a woman with a dumpster for a head and uh, she's naked and dripping with bodily fluids, uh, I don't. I don't think you could find a more emblematic uh, caricature of, of what's going on in the drag community today than that one. And he's certainly someone that I think has a responsibility, uh, a direct responsibility in what occurred, because these people believe that unless. Uh, we, we validate them and embrace them in, in whatever fetish, fetishistic behavior they want to engage in. We are somehow the haters. We are the people to be condemned.
0: What happened that they were able to spin this against us so convincingly? Because a lot of people, as you know, I've lost friends in New York City because they saw posts I made, very reasonable posts. Of course, the sub-narrative is, you want to kill trans people, trans people are the most oppressed. I crunched the numbers with the FBI a few years ago. It's a, a complete fiction. The trans people are the number one murdered group. They are not. They're the third group. If you had to order by male, female, and trans, it's in that order. Males are the first group to be murdered, hands down.
1: It is the safest demographic in the U.S. at this point, except maybe the Amish. Mm -hmm. Um, If you are a woman or if you are a, a, a police officer, you are three times as likely to be killed for who you are as a trans person, and, and as you said, the, there are numbers that go along with that. We can prove that through statistics, and, and not just from the FBI, but from the statistics of the Transgender Law Center, and from the statistics of the Human Rights Campaign, but they they conflate a, perhaps an even a single death into an epidemic that they are the sole victims of. And it's it's a flat out lie.
0: Yes, <laughs> and what's also astonishing is you have within our community many gay men, many lesbians who go along with this. And I saw something on Facebook that really stuck in my head. I'm going to read it to you because it reminded me, I was like, I asked someone, I said, what does this mean? Is this a reference to reality TV? And this was in reference to an award that Forbes magazine gave, uh, a representational award that gave to a sick trans woman. Now, when I write articles now about these folks, I use quotes around trans, I use quotes around trans women, trans men. But one of the, uh, one of the people said to me, that this is part of the group of the women, and they said the choose me the like me women love me women and i said is that in reference to something like the bachelor where you've got all these women vying for one man just like me and one of the women wrote yes this is a a type of woman not necessarily heterosexual but often so who just wants to be liked and pleasing and you know i thought about this Uh, Yes, that might account for some of the people who support the trans lobby nonsense, it makes absolutely no sense. But there's a lot of lesbians out there and gay men who've supported this. I've had friends who've called me transphobic, no joke, I've lost friends over this. And I said to the vice, what is wrong with my saying that sex is immutable? Let's just begin with a scientific fact. If you're going to pretend that we're Nemo, that we're clownfish, then we've got a problem. And last week after Queen Elizabeth's funeral, her death, the proceedings, there were trans activists, buckle up for this one, who said that the fact that now HRH no longer means Her Royal Highness, but His Royal Highness, now that silks, a special genre of barrister in the UK, are no longer called Queen's court, but the King's court, is proof of transgender identity. I had a laugh on that one. It's it's a linguistic moniker. It has nothing to do with anything. It's like, you know, George Bush is no longer president, but Obama is president. There's nothing shocking there about this. But here we are having to explain, like Fred, have you seen the people that say that Simone de Beauvoir's Le Deuxième Sex was a basis of trans narrative? And this is what they say the point at which she says, one is not born a woman, one becomes a woman. They said, that's her speaking about us, that we become women. And so many feminists have shaken their heads, putting their hands to their foreheads, saying, that's not what that means. What that means, De Beauvoir says this, not just in the second sex, she says this all throughout her work, that gender is codified that girls are forced into being these political and social creatures because of gender, not because it is real, but because it is a fiction.
1: As you and I both know, there 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 is a lot uh, to look at to understand this, and and you can look at look at this from various different angles. But the end result is always that uh, if you do look, you become peaked, and. Uh, if I could give your listeners one thing to go out and look at so that they can understand that this, this didn't happen as a natural involvement, but this is part of a plan, it, it would be that they go uh, online and look for the Dent, uh, uh, Denton document. The Denton document is something that was written up by one of the largest law firms in the world, and they advocate on behalf of transgenderism. And it's a complete plan on how you can take over organizations like uh, lesbian or gay organizations and turn them to your own um, uh, bidding. And uh, you'll you'll read it and you'll say, I see it. That's exactly what's happened. And this, this has all happened in the 21st century. This is not something that goes back decades and decades and decades. This is all new. They would like you to believe that transgenderism has always been an integral part of the the LGBTQI community, but it is not. It is a recent development, and it was developed by people who came up with a plan. It's like uh, the ACLU. They're similarly on board with the Denton document plan, and you can see it in their work. Uh, it's an organization that I had supported financially for decades, and I have nothing to do with them today because I know the the, the pernicious results that they've created in, in in our community, in the in the lesbian and gay community.
0: They've gone quite far in terms of. The reach, because what a lot of people aren't realizing, local lobby groups, whether they were in England or the U.S., got together and said, let's take control of the narrative. And one of the fastest ways to take control of the narrative is to latch on to language. So in the U.K., the NUJ, National Union of Journalists, set up a kind of agenda that we journalists had to follow, such as preferred pronouns and so forth. Now, who died and left the NUJ king? Who decided that we have to use pronouns that are absolutely subjective? For instance, I know that someone is a man or a woman pretty easily. I look at them, even hearing your voice, I don't see you. I can tell. Now, there are a few times in our life where we're not sure. It might be Halloween. It might be someone who's bandaged up and we can't see their faces. It's very rarely someone who would identify as trans because even those people, we clock if they're male or female quite easily.
1: Yeah, it's like the old SNL joke about Pat.
0: Oh yes, what's that? That's Pat. And so we're living in this very strange matrix of, we're all supposed to have this kind of obeisance towards someone who has an identity, but we're supposed to magically know who is and who isn't. Because as I've always said, loads of people can look ambiguous as to their sex, not gender. There are people that you might think, oh, that could be, but that, you know, wide hips, then you turn around and you're like, oh, that's a guy, it's not a woman. And the same thing, sometimes you'll see a tall ectomorphic being with short hair and you think that's a guy, but you turn around, it's like, no, it's a supermodel with short hair. These things happen, but in general, our brains are really good at picking up instant, not even us thinking about it, our brains work over time and they know who's what. And now this instinct, it's a real human instinct to know who's male or female. And there are evolutionary reasons why our brains know this in terms of reproduction, in terms of for women safety, right? It's absolutely creepy as hell to me that this lobby is trying to get women prosecuted, unemployed, deplatformed because they recognize that a man in their toilet is a man. Now. You lived through, obviously, the AIDS era. And as I mentioned earlier, I did work for Gay Men's Health Crisis in New York. My brother died of AIDS, and I remained very attached to that community, even though when I worked for Gay Men's Health Crisis, I ran focus groups for them around the time that they were thinking that they might have to change their name because the demographic of AIDS in the mid nineties was no longer gay men. It was a load of heterosexual men and women. In my focus groups were wonderful people who had seen even their children die, who themselves were dying. This was pre-Crixavan, by the way. Gay men's health crisis had to think of, do we have to rebrand? Now that's one thing to ask, because maybe it's a good thing to think about it so that you get more people coming for your services because the demographic is no longer white gay men. But all of a sudden in the late 90s, in New York City, I saw tea everywhere. It started to be added in bars and those free mini magazines that you'd pick up near the toilets. And I thought, what does trans have to do with us? And I remember having these discussions with a lot of people at the time who said, I don't get it either. But no one really worried that this was going to become what it is today. Why do you think that is?
1: Uh, We're we're being sold a bill of goods. And uh, I, I frequently say When we're talking about trans people, you're talking about a personality. You're not talking about something more than that. Uh, And normally, um, with personalities, nobody asks you to become a part of their personality, uh, to embrace their personality. They are who they are, but that's not what we're being asked for by the trans community. We're being asked to exalt their personality. in very weird ways, one of the people who assaulted me uh, after the the, the, uh, the parade had ended, uh, one of the one of the aides from the city was was helping me. I was on a, on a bench, um, trying to recuperate from what had happened, and this person was there yelling at the man that he wanted me arrested, and I, you know, I just said. Can you, can you just leave me alone? Do you realize you're following me to do this? You know, I don't, I don't understand guys like you. And when I said guys like you, he screeched at me, and I've never had a woman do this. I have a vagina. Um, it, it, the, the, the bizarre nature of that kind of an explanation from somebody uh, is meant to draw you in to their whole being. And this is what, this is what is being inflicted on all of us. Uh, You know, they said, have you ever heard a woman exclaim, I have a vagina? No, only a guy who's chopped it off would say something like
0: that. You're listening to Savage Minds, and we hope you're enjoying the show. Please consider subscribing. We don't accept any money from corporate or commercial sponsors, and we depend upon listeners and readers just like you. Now, back to our show. Now, the demographics have shifted so much. 10 years ago, there were largely males involved in these surgeries. Today, most of these men who identify as trans women, in quotes, are in fact completely non operable. They do not take hormones. And their level of misogyny is entirely off the chart. Again, again, think to that example I just gave of what's happened in Southern Ontario this past week and the lack of pushback by the left on this. You know, you've got a lot of, of leftist publications in the States like Jacobin. When I wrote a piece about this, my first piece about this in 2013 for Counterpunch, Jacobin wrote a hit piece on me. And I wrote the editor, and uh, Baskar Sunkar, and I said, I'd like to write a repost because what you've published is a bunch of defamatory comments, not even well researched. This writer has called me a turf. I'm not a radical feminist. The details they get wrong, uh, it's a complete, they try to explain my reaction to this as if it were, then I would be a homophobe, but that's not at all a parallel because in the 60s, 70s, 80s, et cetera, we weren't fighting, like I was active in the 80s, fighting for human rights of us. We weren't saying, hey, look at me and my girlfriend, but I insist that you call us me and my boyfriend. We weren't telling people, to see us as something we weren't, we were saying, deal with the fact that we're two women or deal with the fact that those are two men, deal with it. And this narrative is precisely totalitarian, what we're being handed now. We're not being told, accept these men in dresses, accept these women with short hair, as if that were new, because it's not. But men in dresses is, I would argue, a bit more radical. Uh, Western culture has not been good about addressing gender nonconforming men, as it were. But let's deal with that as it is. Instead of feeding us a lot of bullshit, telling us to use quote unquote preferred pronouns, that if we call these men men, we're somehow guilty of their murder or trying to murder them, along with, as I mentioned earlier, the made up non statistics as to their being killed or suicide threats. None of this is backed up by facts. Facts matter. Meanwhile, we're having. A 2.0 of homophobia, and you are witness to that now, Fred. You had to go to the hospital. We have this interview now because you said you had to go and see your doctor. What kind of damages did these people do to you?
1: Well, I, I would rather not get too deeply into it, other than to say I was I was roughed up pretty good. I, I was slapped on the head repeatedly. I have some uh, shoulder and a. And hip difficulties as a result of the falls. Uh, and these are things that I'm going to be dealing with uh, for the foreseeable future. I, I have another appointment after we conclude uh, with a doctor. And, and that's, that's been part of this for me that I'm I'm going to have to live with.
0: And have you had a lot of support there from the community where you live? Because you're in the Northeast, in New England, which is known as a rather quote unquote progressive area. But as you and I both know, progressive doesn't mean what progressive used to mean back in 2001. That's right. So progressive today means such as what I told you earlier, my progressive friend in New York told me to basically fuck off and he unfriended a 25, 30 year friendship because I dare say that the calendar boy that he had posted, which was a trans man, I said, This is very sad that women are doing this to their bodies and taking very dangerous hormones, which will lessen their lifespan.
1: The support that I've gotten uh, has, has included from here in Vermont. Uh, I've, a, a number of lesbians have, have contacted me, um, offering their support, offering to come with me. Um, and the support worldwide has been. Uh, overwhelming. Um, the one one uh, outlet uh, the, their their report on this had a million and a half views and, you know, I'm seeing it on my Facebook page. I get hundreds and hundreds of messages from people, and as diligently as I can I, I try to answer each and every one. Uh, but I I never realized, how great that support
0: was. Well, obviously it's very helpful to have people who have your back, and this is probably quite recent. I imagine you too have been on the receiving end of backlash even from friends over your views. The trans community has been very successful in ironically using money that was earmarked for our community, for them. That's right. And here's one of my theories. Tell me what you think, Fred. Cricusavan came onto the market, I believe, I should know this, but I believe it was around 1996, 1997, and that effectively was the death knoll for dying of AIDS in the sense of it became treatable in the way that severe diabetes is treatable. You take your medicine, you stay on your medicine, you can live a long life. But these AIDS charities, or these gay men's health crisis and gay and lesbian charities, which had made a lot of their living from the AIDS movement, suddenly found themselves high and dry for a reason to have fundraisers. And I believe the trans movement was that reason. That became their new raison d'être to fundraise and to start a new project. On our backs, by the way, because it was never the case. Not even in New York City, not even in Manhattan, not even on manhattan 's Upper West Side, was it ever the case that gay rights were achieved and done? We have brushed away the dust on most of the bigotry and the homophobia, but certainly not all of it.
1: The experience that we all have is that when we 're younger, we make our, our, our friends in life, and, and I, you know mine was no different and uh, the, the, the people that I expected to grow old with—they're all gone. There isn't one of them left.
0: Yeah, that—that that must be quite rough. I mean, I've—I'm much younger than you, but I've already lost my closest friends. Yeah. Uh, and it's—it's it's something that's no one prepared me for that. That's right. And—and and then you are like, okay, I'm going to soldier on, but. It's taken a lot of digestion on my part and plus my two closest friends were a couple and I never had the time to digest it because I had small children when they passed away and then COVID kicked in. I never seemed to have a moment to sit with it. We don't really know who's going to be around when we're older and you are a good two decades older than me. And what you just said really stuck to me because here you are vulnerable because of your age, your disability. And I saw that woman pushing on you, trying to beat you up. And I just thought, what an asshole, like yes, what kind of person possesses that amount of chutzpah to go and do this to another person? Because I wouldn't do that to even the most right-wing republic. I wouldn't even imagine taking my hands to someone for any political disagreement.
1: She's become quite famous. As you know, in, in the UK, um, the the front pages of papers can be uh, a little rough. And her her face in in that photo that you saw has been splashed all over the the papers there, including in the Daily Mail, and with big red letters underneath her, her face, it says attacker. She'll take that into her future.
0: It's going to be something that I think she'll want to have wiped by Google and fill out one of those forms once upon a time. <laughs> Good luck. It's true, Fred. I mean, we're living in an age where you never know when the next Schadenfreude will be around the corner. I mean, they think they're on the right side of history, uh, to paraphrase Guardian writer Owen Jones, but the sad reality is they're simply not. It shocks me, people like him, a gay man, a young gay man who pipes up all the time about trans rights, trans women are women, but I don't see him running around Sucking a male clitoris. And I've also wanted to prank him. There's a very famous cafe in London where a lot of, it's in Soho, which is already gay, but it's a cafe where a lot of gay men and women meet up. And I wanted to prank him, contact him online, meet him, and say, hey, Owen, yeah, my name is Julian. Uh, I'm a ma'am, I'm a trans, I'm gonna show up in a complete dress or something and say, I just want you to suck my male clitoris since you're so <laughs> trans friendly because God, I'm hard up for a lover right now and just film his reaction. Because these folks love to preach the word but they don't do the walking. They don't walk the walk. They only talk the talk. You wouldn't
1: be talking about Owen Jones, would
0: you? Oh, I'm talking about Owen Jones completely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, he cracks me up. He, and there's a few others. There's that Novara media woman. I forgot her name. But she's the one that's famously quoted as saying, I'm a Marxist, goddammit. Anyway, these are people who are landowners. I mean, you want to be a Marxist? Don't buy a co op for starters. Um, live in a council flat. But these are people who have no clue about historical materialism, about women's rights, about gay rights. Both of them are wet behind the ears, I guess we'd say, in the States. And they don't really understand that they've bitten off something that in the end is going to come back to bite them in the ass. Um, And that's why I say the schadenfreude is already apparent with both of them. They love to go on about the transphobes and the TERFs. But to this day, I've never seen either one of them talk about the physical material conditions of gay and lesbian men and women during lockdown, for starters, which was quite fierce in the UK early on. It lessened up. It wasn't as bad as other countries uh, at the end of the day. It's very convenient to throw around terms like progressive and Marxist, because Fred, when someone tells me they're progressive today, I get nervous. I get as nervous as I do as back in the 80s when people said they believed in Jesse Helms and the moral majority, because to me, these are the same thing. I view the trans movement and the progressives who backed the gender identity bullshit as being part of a very regressive program to revamp homophobia to desensitize the public as to what desire is, much less same-sex desire. So you do, like initially I asked you how you could explain what's going on because the general public thinks trans people are like you and me. That we're all sort of mixed up about gender because you and I are gay because we sort of are like the Sufi with the elephant. We don't know a dick for my vagina. You know, I mean, God, I've offended like five different groups there. Sorry, Sufis. I love Sufism. You know what I mean?
1: Yes, yes.
0: I've traveled a lot through Burlington because I used to be a professor at the University of Montreal, and I traveled through Burlington to get to New York City on my Greyhound bus. And I love the town. I stayed there a few times because I thought, oh, this is quaint. It's nice. But then there was a manifestation happening. One of the last times I passed through, it was on gay rights. I go to partake in this, but it wasn't gay rights. It was all about the tea. And I looked at them and I said, there's nothing gay about your protest right now. And I'm a little worried because transgender identified people have zero to do with us, like zilch. If you really want to deconstruct what they're doing, they're cementing heteronormativity. They're cementing what gender should be. And my whole life, most gay men and women's lives have been about pushing back on that. Because from the time we knew we were gay, or the time we acted, let's say, I'm putting this all in quotes. Now, the time we acted gay, people were telling us, Oh, you're butch. Oh, you're a fairy. And that's the very shit we've had to push against just to be gay. You know,
1: right. Right. I, I've been told throughout my life, you don't seem gay. And, <laughs> I, I, and I've said, I don't think you can be more gay than I am. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah.
0: <laughs> Would you like a close-up of me and the cock? I'm sorry. I'm joking, of course. But <laughs> it's 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 ironic, too, because before, you know, when I asked you about your bio, you said to look at your Wikipedia entry. And I did, and I'm seeing a lot of reference here to Martin Duberman's book, And I know Martin uh, from CUNY, where I did my PhD, and his book Stonewall took into account a lot of stories from that era of the 60s and the Stonewall riots. And so I can only imagine that you're mentioned in his book due to the many footnotes here in your entry. Uh,
1: I I mentioned very little. I've lived my life uh, very much as a private person. My, My only really public moment has come since 2019 when I when I thought that I, I needed to speak up. I, I felt I had enough of a background where I could use that in, in this discussion. Uh, so uh, I, I've gone from uh, the, the the things that you'll see there are are uh, I've published a few things a piece in the New York Times um, uh, a piece for the Village Voice you know these are all commissioned works and and uh uh, I, I chose them very carefully. Normally, when I'm asked to do an interview, I, I say no. Um, it's, it's, it's just not me. But in these past three years, I, I, I've discovered how important my voice can be. And that's why I now say yes, as I said to you.
0: And I do appreciate that because I'm similar to you. I interview people all the time, but I'm extremely yeah. private in fact people say to me in my life and again i'm 20 years roughly 20 years younger than you but saying to me when did you come out and i said you know i'm a little tired of the way in which we're represented in hollywood as if we come out i can tell you about me i've always been out and when i say i've always been out i mean it like i'd never had the need to be in. And there are certain reasons for that. In fact, some very painful personal realities of my family. My brother and sister ran away when they were 14. They were both prostitutes on the streets of New Orleans. And my brother contracted AIDS. As a result of that, I divorced myself from my family at a very young age. And I was independent at a very young age. And because of that, the people who would have been most affected by my quote unquote coming out were not in my life. So I began New York City, Tablo rasa, me. And I was very lucky to have some excellent friends, excellent friends and excellent mentors in my studies. But I tell you, it's interesting the way that a lot of our culture that may not be gay, but mostly is not gay, understands us, because they think that we have this coming out process that we were necessarily thinking we were born in the wrong body, which is ironic, given what we're discussing now, because that was a trope used against many young gay men and women saying, Oh, you should have been born a boy, or you should have been born a girl, whatever that means. To what is a very bizarre, full freeze of time in terms of the trans movement today, is not that different than what this quote unquote transsexual identity that was concocted in the middle of the 20th century was about, which was Christina Jorgensen and everyone since. These were experiments of doctors who either wanted to put their name on the map for having done something quite, quote unquote, innovative, what many would regard as Frankensteinian, And, you know, you think of the Rymar baby case, what John Money did. None of this is progressive. It all reeks of patent homophobia and misogyny, because clearly a boy who was a victim of a botched circumcision is not a girl. So the idea that John Money invigorated what Freud decades before had said, if you recall, because Freud implicated that all women were were castrated men. And this is not being taken up by the very big schools of psychoanalysis in New York, in Buenos Aires, in Paris. You're seeing very little discussion of this from the experts in this. I came into this academically in many respects, even though I came into this at a bar in Soho during Gay Pride in London in 2012. My brain is still academic. And I thought, holy shit, like this is what went through my head, Fred. Freud said, that woman was a symptom, and he was absolutely right, because we've become a symptom for men who fetishize women as an identity. Now, you start to look at the trans, quote, unquote, trans men, it is not at all related. They're not the same thing. It's not like one has a penis, one doesn't, or one has a neo-vagina, one has a neo-penis. No, the cases for these women who are pulled into this narrative of being born in the wrong body or being really men or being all that boy toy, BOI nonsense. This is a symptom of a larger problem of cultural misogyny. These women want to opt out of oppression. So they opt into the one thing that can either not be oppressed and or oppress. And because of testosterone, and I know this from friends who've been on it, testosterone has immediate effects almost on women. It changes the shape of the jaw, obviously facial body hair, but it does things in such a way that, is it any surprise that the last five, six, seven years, women, females have become the top demographic for these disfiguring and mutilating surgeries, and let's call it what they are, In the sense, they're the perfect poster boys for the men in dresses that will never pass. Think of the little Britain sketch. The one guy says, I'm a lady. It's always, I'm a lady. But of course, he doesn't look like a lady, just like Monty Python's sketch. He doesn't look like a lady. And it's very clear in the sketch. But who looks like a man is any female that's been on testosterone for a year or two. They can pass better even if they have small hands, small stature, and what one lesbian activist has called the Mickey Mouse voice might seem unkind. But that's what it sounds like. It's a very helium sounding Mickey Mouse voice for a lot of them. And it's been this perfect demonstration that misogyny is real, because the very people paying for the transgender movement the last five years, with their bodies, with their health, with their lives, are women
1: you're going to see another example of that misogyny in the very near future. As you know, they're doing uterine transplants. Um, it's, it's very experimental at this stage, but it, it has the potential to um, correct medical conditions that some women suffer. And uh, that, that, that's an important development. But already among transgender people, there's talk about how they'll be able to get a uterus. Now, mind you, this is not going to be something that functions in a normal fashion. It will be a cosmetic procedure. And women who could use this for their own benefit as women, as women who want to be as full a woman as they can possibly be, will have to get in line behind a man.
0: Yes, uh, this is a worry that I saw a lot of women expressed because these transplants have been mediatized the last two years or so. It's quite Frankensteinian, frankly, because how can you propose this without serious medical ethics boards? And there have been, there was this doctor, I forgot where he was from, I think, Argentina who wanted to do head transplants. This is all very out there and it's not even feasible. I don't think it's possible to do a head transplant in any way. And that considered to be something that is medically sound, much less ethically sound. But here we are. Yes, we've seen this. We saw the experiment at NYU with the a sensible experiment with the nurse and the nurse practitioner and doctor who certified that a trans identified male was able to breastfeed his child. So I interviewed a few doctors about this. And one of the doctors I interviewed said, where is the mother? If I'm a doctor and I see someone has given birth to a child, but the father who identifies as a woman shows up to the clinic with the child, I'm going to ask where the mother is. Nobody followed up this story. It sort of got plopped out there and dropped. Even journalists aren't doing their due diligence to investigate what's happened here.
1: That's right. That's so right. The ethics involved are really being overlooked. Uh, it's why I mentioned the, the cosmetic aspect to the, the transplant surgery. Uh, it, it will be given equal weight. And a woman who could benefit from a uterine transplant at some future date, she's going to have to get in line with some men.
0: What do you say though, to the younger generations who are seeing this? A lot of the generation Z who think this is radical and innovative, like they're not seeing what you and I are seeing.
1: Uh, they're, they're being intimidated uh, as, as part of that Denton plan. Um, one of the things that's been done to young people is that they're under threat. If they diverge in their opinion in in even the slightest way, they stand to lose their their careers, um, even their housing, um, all because they have not um, uh, embraced something that, to me, is unembraceable. True,
0: but it's a very strange thing that's happened in our community where you have some of us, some gay men and lesbians are saying, well, let's just help them out. They suffer, they're dying, they commit suicide, they're murdered. Even though you and I know this is bunk, they don't. Again, I can go back to the COVID narrative over and over because we had a media pushing one single narrative and there was never a questioning as to, is this true? Are the vaccines safe? Do lockdowns work? What about the half million people who died of starvation because of lockdown, et cetera, et cetera? Like, no one's asking the questions where journalists, once upon right. a time, that was our job to ask those questions. Now you get slight cheerleading. Remember the white spa incident? I investigated that after two weeks of waiting for someone else to do it, because I'll be honest, I don't like this subject. This subject annoys the hell out of me because I think like I'm saying that water is wet. It's so obvious what's going on, but I investigated and it took me very little time, went on to Twitter, found someone who filmed the woman who filmed the encounter at Wise Spa, not only did he have a film of it, he was a very kind-hearted, honest lawyer, and he had filmed it. So Slate ran slash pieces on the woman and others saying they made it all up. That's right. As it turns out, the guy at the Y Spa wasn't just a guy. He was a sexual predator. And he's still on
1: the run, by the way. He's still on the run. Jesus
0: God, It's like women aren't believed. Right women aren't believed at all that's right how do we combat this do we just keep our phones on and keep filming do we keep losing our jobs a lot of people have lost their employment a lot of people haven't even spoken out about losing their employment i used to write for forbes i only came out the other day after i lost my employment at forbes in december of 2019 over my trans pieces and forbes has been running trans women are women Bullshit for since then. I was deconstructing it. I was running pieces very much critiquing this lobby. And I don't make a big deal of it because right after that happened, lockdown happened and I had bigger fish to fry. But it's really daunting to see that publications can slap journalists down in such a way.
1: The journalists in Burlington have not covered this story, despite it being in papers around the world you wouldn't know that it happened if you picked up any of the, the Burlington publications or listened or watched any of the, the Burlington media. Uh, I, I found the journalists in the, the, the People's Republic of Burlington to, to be handmaidens in this, in this effort. They went so far to, to media outlets uh, to participate in the parade. This is an event that they cover and Their ethics should preclude that kind of participation. But here's where we are today, um, that you cover what you're a part of and nobody looks at that critically.
0: And it's astonishing, Fred, because I read your bio on um, Facebook and you used to be in the police. Is that correct?
1: Yes. So
0: (laughs) this is astonishing that you've been assaulted. You're someone who is quite Versed in what is legal or illegal, given that you had to deal with situations which might have been gray spaces in your life. And here you are at seventy four years of age, using a cane, being assaulted. Have you had any response from the police?
1: well we we are in discussions right now for a uh, meeting on Tuesday, uh, where I'll be giving a statement and providing uh, photographic and video evidence of the crimes.
0: Wow. Are there any other facets of the case that have come out that shocked you?
1: Not, not so far. I, I, I certainly was shocked at what happened. I, I didn't think that these people would go as far as they would. I knew someone would object, and that's their right, um, mm-hmm. just as it's my right to express my, my thoughts and beliefs. Uh, but I never, I never realized how oppressive this group could be. It's, as J.K. Rowling said, that the, the, the violence, it's, it's not a bug. It's a foundational part of this movement.
0: That's right. Yes, I remember I saw that tweet, and she's definitely put her finger on it because she herself has been victim to, even though only verbally. But not just, they published her address, and that was a direct threat to do physical harm to her. And everyone knows that.
1: Oh, she's received many threats. Many, many death threats. Yeah. I've received death threats. I've received them over this. Uh, But you you can't dwell on that.
0: No, you can't. I received over 100 death threats when I ran my first article on this subject back in 2013. Not just death threats, rape threats. And not just directed at me, at my six-month-old daughter. I was flipped out. I had to leave the UK for several months. The police has done nothing to help me in that case i did hire a solicitor a private solicitor paid him to write firmly stated letters to some of these people one of whom was a guardian journalist and transactivism is most clearly misogyny and homophobia and drag no one wants to say that because somehow it's it's mean but this is what it is
1: it was the first thing I, that i said when i when i uh, when i came back from paris and and Uh, began to study and read everything I could get my hands on. I spent six months doing that and and, uh, in in December of 2019. At the same time that uh, JK uh, became involved, uh, I I had reached out to a group called the LGB Alliance in the UK. And I spoke to uh, Beth Jackson and and Kate Harris and told them at the time that the thing that has jumped out at me uh, most about what I've learned is how deeply homophobic and misogynistic the entire trans uh, movement is. And, you know, naturally they agreed. And it's sometimes hard to explain that to people, but if they'll take the time to listen to you and to listen to the facts, they'll realize that you're correct. sometimes unwillingly so, but they'll realize that there's truth in what you're saying.